Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. All right, I love that rollout video because it wakes you up. Come on now. Uh, my son Dawson, who makes those, I said, come on, boy, just wake them up. Like some churches have like, dee, 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 dee. you know, we have like, kah, 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 kah. so anyway, it's just, just make sure you're there. Get them some caffeine and get, make it loud. So uh, make sure you pay attention. It's good to see you. Feel good today? You all right? Good to go? All right. So we're going to go into Matthew 25, uh, verse 14 today. There's three parables in Matthew chapter 25, all of them with Jesus talking about his future return. And this one's right in the middle. And in this text, Jesus is talking about being faithful uh, while the master is a long time in coming. And I want us to talk about being faithful with what God has given us. All right, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Here we go. It's a lot of Bible. So get ready. We got a lot to read. Uh, Here we go. Verse 14, Matthew 25, verse 14, NIV. Here it is. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So Jesus looking here, he's about to embrace the cross and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags and to another one bag, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, say at once, and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid, went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked servant, you, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, we love you today and we ask Lord Jesus that we would love your word. We pray that the word of God, Lord, would take root in us, that it would grow in us. We pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, we pray that we would apply it. We pray that we would love it and that we would live it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. 
one of the fun things about starting a church is you get to see the spiritual gifts that God has deposited in people. And so Timothy Keller talks about the greatest way that we'll reach America is if we'll plant new churches and there's new people that have the opportunity to exhibit, use the spiritual gifts that God has given them. And so here at Radiant, we're a pretty new church. And this summer we got to see at Glow Camp, like Kelly Reitmeyer has some spiritual gifts, right? Like you, you, you might not know until you see Kelly with a ton of kids, but she's got all these little tiny kids singing and dancing and she's got control of the room. I mean, well, all, all all it takes is a moment of seeing that and you're like, that is something supernatural. Like God gave something to, that's amazing. She wasn't just keeping the kids in order. She was keeping Dylan in order. I mean, she, she, she had a gift and I love that. I, lo- I, I love seeing uh, some of the different people that have a gift with kids. Like Peter Nork, who we just had up here, he serves weekly with our kids and, and he's just got a gift. It's something that God's put in him. And, and I love seeing like we just had Radiant Intensive Graduation and Joe and Amy Candelera who make disciples of our young adults. And so you got some people that they, they've got different ways that they use their gifts. Joe and Amy, what they love to do is give young adults some food and ask questions about what it means to follow Jesus and sit in the living room and help them learn to follow Jesus. I watched at the graduation where these kids loved so much Joe and Amy, and you get to see those gifts. I love to see it with like with Dylan and Allie. Dylan and Allie come alive with teenagers, and it, there's, there's something that God's given them. I mean, Allie's got an ability to, to make a million emails and make it really clear and sharp, and Dylan's got a gift of long-winded prayers, and together they're a great team. And like you just, I'm just saying like there's supernatural gifts deposited by God inside of them, and here's the idea. When you look inside of this room, there are spiritual gifts in this room. This room is full of spiritual gifts. This room is full of, of, of talent. When you've got here this word talent, this is not meaning like we use talent. This is Jesus telling the story and he's talking about a weight. It would be a heavy amount of money that he's giving these three servants. And so the master is giving three servants a different amount of money to be faithful with while he's gone. But Jesus is talking here about the idea of being faithful with what's been given to you. And it all concludes with a conversation with the master. And so Jesus is giving an illustration. He's giving a parable to help them understand what the kingdom of God is like. And every single one of us, like the master gave the servants finance or money, God has given you time, talent, treasure, Everything that you have is from God. And so everything, like, I mean, everything that you've got, it's been given to you by God. And our temptation is to think that what I have is for me, but it's actually God giving it to you for you to use to make a difference in the kingdom. And so it is a whole different way of thinking when you think about, all right, the kingdom of God is like God has given me these gifts to use so in reality, God is the master and I'm just the manager. And, 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 and I'm called, I'm gifted. Say, I'm gifted. I'm gifted by God to manage what he's given me. And based upon being faithful, that's the language Jesus uses, he said it over and over again in this parable. Then it's the story of the master going, I've seen you be faithful with some, I'll give you more. And so you can take this idea that God wants to multiply what God has given to you as you are faithful with what he's given. 
And so identifying what is the thing that God has given. God is, I mean, the time, the talent, the treasure, the breath, the life, the family, the things that you have. And you live in a time where our temptation is to take everything that we've been given and use it for self. And the kingdom of God is about the master who gave to servants and the servants gave what did not belong to them and invested it wisely on the masters, what the master has. And so as you think about your voice to sing, as you think about your hands to serve, as you think about the dollars that you've been entrusted with, as you think about the children that God's given you to steward called parenting, to raise. Everything that you've been given is a gift from God. And here's the invitation that we have, all right? Faithfulness, when it feels like the master's a long time in returning, faithfulness to not use it for me, but to use what God has given for God. And that is not self-centered. That's a whole different way of thinking. And Jesus here makes it clear that God gives gifts according to ability. Can you say ability? So he says that to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags of gold, and to, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Now, for us, that's challenging because we so think in terms of fair that it's hard for us to imagine, like, why isn't this fair? And, and our temptation is to get our eyes on others, like to think, all right, if I'm the one who got two bags, why didn't I get five? And that's not fair. And instead of having uh, a, a view of, I want to go be thankful to the master for what he gave me and faithful with what he gave me, instead, I want to start a debate and a conversation, why I didn't get what they got, right? But here's the idea. You go and you be faithful, like Jesus talks about, with what he's given you, and it will multiply. He wants to give you more. He actually desires to give you more, but he's watching. And the kingdom principle is he's watching to see you be faithful with what you've been given. And so all of us live in a time where it is so tempting, even in church world, to get caught up in that comparison process. I remember for me, uh, when I I graduated from college, I started uh, at a church in Colorado and they hired five pastors in the summer of 2000, five of us. And we got there and one, the one guy was a graduate of Duke University. He was six foot three, played basketball. I mean, we went to Duke, of course he played basketball, but he was like, I mean, super intelligent. He would use huge words. I'd carry around a thesaurus to understand what he was talking about. I mean, he was brilliant. And another guy came, he already had a master's degree and he was a singer. He could write songs like I couldn't believe. Like one time I was preaching in the first year that I worked there and he wrote a song while I was preaching about the message and then sang it spontaneously. And you're like, I quit, you know, like, who is this? Like, what is that? He was writing a book uh, in his early twenties. I was like, bro, like you're not old enough to know anything. Like, come on, you know, and just so gifted, so, so much talent, so much ability. Another one was culturally cool. He had two brothers on staff. He looked cool. Kids loved him. I mean, he dressed cool and he could sing. And at Christmas time, he'd stand on stage and just sing and everybody, he could rap. I didn't even know what rap was. I grew up with a whole different denomination. Like I wasn't allowed to know rap, you know, and he would rap and people were, I mean, it was crazy. Like he was so gifted. Another one, you know, and one of our overseers, Aaron Stern, he had his master's degree. It looked like he'd stepped out of like GQ magazine, you know, and, a, and I, I just remember 
being like to Renata, like, ah, I hate myself. You know, like, like this is hard, you know, like Aaron, you know, he, he, he just, he, he, he just looked so cool. He was so masculine with his like big beard. I couldn't even grow a beard and I was 23 and, you know, like it was just like, I still can't, but anyway, so, uh, insecurity. So I, I'm just saying like, it was like uh, my temptation was to get my eyes on them instead of eyes on God. I'm going to be thankful and faithful with what you've given me. And as I am faithful with what you've given, you'll multiply. And that's the kingdom principle. And Jesus makes that application at the end. More will be given as you're faithful. As you continue to be faithful, a good steward of what God has given you with your time, talent, and treasure, he delights in giving you more. But he gives you according to your ability. That's the phrase there in the parable. According to your ability. We don't, we don't think that way. We, we look at others. We look at what we want. But if you can trust God, who is the giver of good gifts, and go, okay, you know what gifts I'm not ready for yet, what I can't handle, what gifts might crush me, what talents might crush me, what finance might crush me, what I'm not ready for. And so God, I actually trust in you instead of having accusation and anger towards you, I trust you like a parent. Like we know as parents, we know there are some gifts that we can give our kids and they are ready for it and some they're not. We're all making spontaneous decisions. What age should we give a pocket knife to a kid what age should we give i don't know a bike to a kid what age should we give an iphone to a child 25 uh like you're deciding right now right like because some of those very things that could help them could also hurt them if used not well and so that's the idea here and i, I remember uh my for me uh my, renata and i were kind of like the we're not sure we want to give dawson when he was little a knife kind of couple, you know, we're having that debate, you know, and I was, you know, the one that's like, ah, it'll be fine. And she's like, no, it won't. And so, so we were having that conversation, but what we didn't realize was that my parents secretly gave him a pocket knife. <laughs> and so that's a whole different family scandal for another sermon. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but when Dawson was 10, uh, we were at the, he and I were at the DFW airport and we were gonna go to Africa, and uh, I did not know about the pocket knife, didn't know that it existed, and I went through security, and then my 10-year-old was coming through. We were going to, on an international flight. Obviously, it matters. It's, all of a sudden, the security guy looks at my small 10-year-old boy with his big brown eyes and says to my little kid, excuse me, sir, I need you to step over here. There is a knife in your bag. And Dawson just... <laughs> and I piped up, I'm like, a knife in his back? And then, just like a wise, mature father who knows all things, he doesn't even own a knife. And the, I look at Doss, and Doss goes. <laughs> and then you can see the knife right there, like on the screen. And I'm looking at it, and I go, you have a knife? And he goes, Mimi and Bobby gave it to me. And I'm like scared to death, you know? And anyway, we made it through, and uh, he didn't go to jail, neither did I. Um, but I began to think about this reality, like, you know, <laughs> truth is, I don't know what's crazier, like that he had a knife I didn't know about or of the, him trying to sneak into Africa. I was like, you're bringing a knife on an international flight? He goes, dad, it's Africa. You know, like, of course you're bringing a knife. And, <laughs> Uh, but for all of us, it's, it's that question, uh, even in, in the parenting world. And I think for us, as we try to apply this to our lives, 
We have a father and he's looking at you and he delights to use you to make a measurable impact in your generation and he gives gifts and talents and he's looking to see, will you be faithful with the dollars I've given you? Will you be faithful with the relationships that I've given you? Will you be faithful with the, with the spiritual gifts that I've given you or will you use them for yourself or will they sit stagnant? And that's ultimately kind of the idea. Many of the Bible commentaries talk about how it's possible that this uh, servant, since he dug it a, a hole in the ground and put it in the ground, it was possibly because if he went and he used it in business or he went and uh, put it at the bank, deposit the bank, that his, the name of the master would be connected to it. But if you dig a hole and bury it in the ground that quite possibly, in case the master never came back, no one else would know about the money in the ground. And so many of them think that. That's just one theory, we don't know that. The big idea is this, that he did not activate. He did not do what he was supposed to. He, instead, he buried, he buried the talent. He buried what God had given him. And so for you and I, our question is, we always come back to this, all right, God, I trust you and I'm gonna live with gratitude for what you've given me, and I'll be faithful with it. And I want you to also see the way that these servants viewed the master. Because based upon how they viewed the master shows how they acted. So the first one, if you look at, if you look at, if you look at the way that they respond, there's this eagerness to, to, to come. And I mean, actually it says at once. So when you look at the first servant, he at once went and put, the talent to work. And then when you look at uh, the third one, he's got the opposite response. And, and the first one, and the first and second one, they've got this, this excitement. See, it's the word see, it's the word, it's behold. In the Greek, it's behold exclamation mark. It's behold. I want, you to, I want you to know, I want you to see. There's an, at once they put it to work. And then when he returns, I want you to see what I did. And then if you catch the attitude of the third, it's full of excuse. I know that you're a harsh man. I'm pulling back. And I just want to identify that because that, those, those first ones looked at opportunity. And sometimes we don't know exactly what to do, but I want to invite you to think of having the attitude, the mentality of what can I do? How can I put this to work? What opportunity does God have for me? And have that at once mentality. And so that, that view of God that you have will dictate if you're faithful with what you've been given or if you hide what you've been given. Because if you view a God who is a rewarder, if, you, if you're the first and second servant and you're thinking, he's, he's, he's a rewarder, that's Hebrews eleven six. He, re, he rewards those who diligently seek him. If you have that idea, he's a rewarder. It empowers you then to go and say, I'm gonna go put these gifts to work. I'm gonna put these talents to work. I'm gonna put these, I'm gonna use what God's given me and I'm putting it, to work for him. But if you think mostly he is, like the third servant said, harsh, he's gonna, he's gonna hurt me. Then in the scripture says he's afraid and he buried his talent. And it is tempting to bury your talent because to bury your talent is to not risk. To bury your talent is to be like, I'm not, I'm not gonna potentially risk hurt, pain, disappointment. But that servant was judged not for wrong activity, but for no activity. And I want you to just think about your life. 
The way that the Psalm says it is that it's but a mere breath. And think about your life as brief, a breath, and God, how can I be faithful with what you've given me? Starts with, I wanna have a right view. So everything is a gift from God. I wanna have a right view of God. He is a rewarder. And then I love this idea, make the most of every spiritual opportunity. So listen to the way that Eugene Peterson writes that last verse. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. So here's the idea. He uses this phrase, this play it safe, who won't risk. And I just wanna be real for a moment and say, I think for us, church life, I think it's easy for us to take our time, talent, treasure, spiritual gifts, ministries. And because we've been in an environment where we've been hurt before, there's some kind of circumstance where things didn't go well. It's easy to slowly, without realizing it, become the servant that goes, I'm so tired of being hurt. I'm so tired of risking. I'm just gonna bury what I've got. I'm just gonna wait. And I just wanna invite you to think about, all right, not, not because of what others have done to me, but because... Jesus has called me, even though I've potentially had challenges in the past. Ultimately, I'm not, this doesn't conclude with a conversation with people. It ends with a conversation with the master. And it's, not, it's about your faithfulness to God. So you're not gonna stand before God and you don't wanna stand before God and say, well, but they did this to me, they did this to me, they did this to me. You wanna come before him and say, look, see, you gave me five. I was faithful and here's five more. The problem is, is when you try to exert yourself, use your gifts, use what God's given you and things don't go well, then it's easy to blame others for you to go dig the hole and bury it and be done. What's up? I'm out. Why? Because I got hurt before. Why? Because someone messed up before. Why? Because you fill in the blank. But if you could take it and, and think, God, what is obedience for me? What is me having an attitude of exerting whatever you've given me and called me to? and not giving up, not bearing my gift, not bearing my talent. I wanna invite you to not bury your gift, but to, maybe you have buried it, dig it back up again and let's talk about using it. For Renat and I, uh, <laughs> in 2006, we had two little babies and uh, I, was, I was a pastor in Colorado, but Renata's family lives here in Kansas City and we came here for Thanksgiving. And uh, we came a day early so that I could speak at a Christian high school on Wednesday morning before uh, Thanksgiving on Thursday. And so we were trying to leave Tuesday evening, make it in on time for me to get some sleep, get up and preach the next day. But we had two little babies that we ended up making a ton of stops and we didn't get here till about 5 a.m. And so uh, I went, dropped off Renata and, and the kids, took a shower, drank a ton of Red Bull and coffee and just like, well, you know, like, let's do this. I can do this. And I went to this school here in Kansas City Christian School and I went in and <clears throat> was gonna preach at their chapel and I was trying to present the idea that when, and this is not the sermon for today, this was the sermon that day, but I was talking about how Jesus sees heart and Jesus sees motive, and because he sees heart and motive, that's, I was actually uh, raising the bar compared to the law. So I was quoting the Sermon on the Mount, and what I meant to say was, <laughs> I meant to stand up there and just be like, and so when you look at Jesus saying, you have heard it said, do not commit murder, but I tell you that anyone who is angry at his brother is guilty of murder in his heart, and now, What's, what's harder, 
What's harder, to not be angry or to not commit murder? And I was trying to make the point, hey, it's a lot harder to not be angry. And so Jesus raised the bar. And then I quoted, I thought, I quoted, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully is guilty of adultery in his heart. So then I was saying, what's harder to do? Not commit adultery or not look at a woman lustfully. And I was saying, see, Jesus raises the bar. That was the point I was trying to make to the teenagers. But instead, what I said was, full of Red Bull, no sleep. It's been a couple days. And I was like, and so Jesus comes and he looks and, he's, and he says this. But I tell you, he says, it, it, anyone who is, uh, do not, uh, see, I can't even do it now. It's still messing me up. See, it's, it's 10 years later and I'm still awful. I said, do not commit murder. And I said, but anyone, I, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully is guilty of murder in his heart. And then I said, or he raises the bar the other way. He says, I tell you, do not commit adultery, but uh, anyone who is angry at his brother has committed adultery in his heart. (laughs) And these high school dudes were sitting right there on the front row, like laughing, like, ha ha. And I was so like caffeined up. I didn't even know what they were laughing at, but I could feel myself kind of getting mad at them, you know? And I'm I got like no fruit of the Holy Spirit in me, you know, because I'm just like, here it is. And so I get done and the Bible teacher's like, man, you need to rememorize some of that, you know? And I was like, what? And he was telling me about all these scriptures I quoted wrong in the Sermon on the Mountain that I told the guys that if... (laughs) If they looked at a woman lustfully, they were committing murder. And he was like, it was, and uh, so that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was that when we moved here a decade later, we went to a soccer game and I'm introducing myself to a guy who I think I've never met before in his late 20s. And he looks at me and goes, aren't you the youth pastor from Colorado, Sermon on the Mount? And I was like, no, it lives on. But I remember that day going home to Renata and she said, how did it go? <laughs> I said, I quit. I, I, oh, this is awful. It was terrible. And it's that temptation when things go bad, when people mock you, when there's a problem and you've got it just like I've had it. You've had moments where you've said, I'm gonna give sacrificially. You've, said, you've had moments where you said, I'm gonna use my spiritual gifts. And then it didn't go like you'd hoped. And that is one of the places where people go, you know what, I'm just gonna go ahead and punt on my spiritual gifts. I'm just gonna bury it. I'm gonna just use it like Americans use what they have for self rather than for kingdom. And I wanna invite you to think this, even the breath that I have right now, this is a gift from God. Every dollar I have, gift from God. Every spiritual gift, every relationship. And so God, I am a bond servant. I am yours, you are the master. And God, I want to use, even when people don't respond like I hoped, even when it's not comfortable, even when it's challenging, I want to invest all of my time, talent, and treasure into kingdom things rather than my desires, me. And ask God, help me. Help me see what I possess as a gift rather than clinging to it like it's mine. Let me see it as yours. Because Whatever you invest in, you will be connected to. Let me say that again since the bottle fell right there. All right? Whatever you invest in, you will be connected to. Let me say it one more time. Right up here. Up here. Right up here. Okay. Here we go. Whatever you invest in, you will be connected to. Here's the idea. As you invest your time, talent, and treasure into kingdom things, you will start to care about kingdom things. And then God goes, all right, they've been faithful with little. I can trust them with more. So your heart will follow. 
And sometimes you may not even, I'm not talking, you may not even feel it, but you might say, based upon my conviction, not my emotion, my conviction, God, every dollar in that bank account belongs to you. God, everything that I have is yours. God, this family is yours. God, this house is yours. God, you've given me this gift of hospitality. I, I'm, I wanna use this not for my own gain, but for yours. God, you've given me this, this love for kids. God, you've given me this love for the nations. God, you've given me this love for creativity. For I mean, and, but God, it's what, when Paul says, I'm a bond servant. I want you to think like that. I'm, I'm yours. That's, these, these guys were servants. They were, for them to get invited into the master's happiness was unthinkable in that first century culture. It was mind-blowing. Oh, you're, I'm a servant and in a caste system, for them to be invited into the, it was unthinkable. And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom is like. It's about the people who are low, who are faithful with what they've been given and there's happiness beyond what they could fathom when they're faithful. And so to think of it not as an obligation because you're a Christian, but as a privilege of the opportunity to with zest and zeal, I've been given these two talents. I've been given these five talents. Man, how, where? The world is my, my opportunity to use them for the kingdom. God, how do you want me to use these gifts? The final thing I just want you to see is I, want, I just want to highlight that it concludes with a conversation with the master. And your life like this parable, concludes with a conversation with the master. And our temptation is to think, well, these people think this, these people think that. It's not a, it doesn't conclude with a conversation with others. It concludes with a conversation with the master. And our temptation is to think, well, but Josh Hubbard has this gift and Nathan Dorinsky has this gift. And no, 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 I'm not standing before God about Nathan or Josh or Aaron Stern or the freshman five from Colorado. I'm standing before God about David. And the guy with five gave 100% return, gained five more. Guy with two, 100% return. Whether I'm given two, five, 75, or 0.05, <laughs> my call is to be faithful with all that I have. 100%, it's all yours. 100% return, God. I'm gonna give it all to you. God, I'm all in this for you. When you can see it that way, these are gifts that God's entrusted you with. I'm gonna be held accountable. There's gonna be a conversation. God, I just wanna be faithful with what you've given me. You'll start to, when you can see that God actually, um, he, 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 he values the treasures that he's given you, like the dollars that he's given you. He values that because you're a kingdom person. So you're a steward of the kingdom of God. So those dollars are his and you're his change agent on the planet. Or the, the, the spiritual gifts, he's using you to reach people for them to come to know the king of all kings. And so everything that he's given you, he values and he's entrusted it to you. Let me say it this way. So I have an amazing mom and uh, any woman who gives birth to triplets is automatically amazing. Um, but her personality is amazing too. And she's one of the happiest people you'll, you'll ever meet. She, she sings songs. She loves everybody. She's an Enneagram seven. So every day is awesome. You know, like she's amazing. And, uh, and when my parents uh, were, they were pastors. And when we were little kids, they had a lot of different ministry trips. And so they would leave. They called our, the four kids, the four Ds. So I'm just gonna use that. They call David, Dana, Deborah, Dan. They call us the four Ds. And they'd leave the four Ds with different people in the church when they'd go on ministry trips. And they went on a lot. And 
So one time they went on an extended trip to Israel and they left us with the Middlebrooks. And now the Middlebrooks were amazing because the Middlebrooks had the Disney Channel. And, and, and we, we couldn't even spell cable at our house. Like we lived in a different era. But I mean, early 80s, I mean, Disney Channel. And, and, and the wife, Juanita, she was, um, she was a professional cook. Like she worked for a fraternity at the University of Washington State, at Washington State University. So she, she made food for a living, which made her awesome. And so she cooked really well. And they loved, I don't know why, but they loved sugar. So they would take us to the store and they would give us cash. And we would take the cash, go to the candy out, and we could, we had a brown bag where we would every day buy candy. And um, needless to say, when my parents came back from Israel from that trip and we told them about the Middlebrooks, we had nothing to say, but they are incredible. They took what you gave them and they were faithful stewards. That's not how we said it. <laughs> but we were like, they're awesome. And they went on another trip and we stayed with another family and, and he was a professor at the University of Idaho and he was really smart and she would read to us books. So we didn't get screens, um, but they, she read books to us and she, they took us to a park to play and they set up times for us to go and, and, and play with the neighbor kids. So we weren't totally isolated. We had got you know, some new friends out of it. We got, we, they, they read some books to us. Um, they weren't quite as cool as the Middlebrooks because there was no Disney Channel and there was no sugar and there was no screens. But, um, but when my parents came back, we looked at mom and we were like, yeah, they were good. They were, they were two talent people. No, we didn't say that. They were, they, they, they were, they, it was good. And so then there was future times that we stayed with them. We stayed with them, you know, every once in a while. We stood every Monday night we were with the Middlebrooks because they were Disney and sugar and we loved them. And there's another family that my parents went to LA for a pastor's conference. And these guys... These, it was like their entire goal was just to keep us alive. Our food was terrible. We did not see any, it was like we lived in isolation. We had a certain amount of water we could drink each day. And I felt like it was like a military camp. It was awful. I don't even know if that's bad. I'm sorry, I'm forget that. But it was hard. And, and when my mom came back and said, how'd it go? I mean, these, it was triplets talking. Dan wasn't old enough to talk. But we were like telling her the story. And I saw my happy, sweet mom, who's nice to everybody, suddenly just put up a kapow. They will never stay there again. I mean, just like, a, I mean, these people were still saved, but my mom treated them like, mm, you were not good stewards of my babies, right? Why? Because we belonged to her. And for a short season, she entrusted them to others, but she valued us. Let me tell you this, you got a short season and the dollars, gifts, skills, everything that God's given to you, you're gonna, you're gonna stand before him and be like, look, I took what you gave me and I was faithful. I took this gift, I took this time, I took my 20s. Now the world's like, no, not 20s, just go spend it on self. No, 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 I took my 20s. Because the life that he gave you the dollars that he gave you, the relationships that he gave you, it's a gift. He's going, he's watching. Hey, you're mine. I love you. I delight in you. I want to use you. The last thing Jesus said, great commission. He goes, go into the world and make disciples. We've got it. We've got something to do. We're not just here. We're not, I mean, we are not just here just to play games, hang out, marinate, and try to stay safe. <laughs> 
No, we've got a kingdom vision. We've got a kingdom agenda. The king of all kings has entrusted us with spiritual opportunity to be agents of change across our world so that every tongue, tribe, and nation, so that everybody in Kansas City might become disciples of Jesus. And so your life matters. And your minutes matter. Your gifts matter. How you, how you, I mean, and one day, imagine instead of thinking of that judgment moment, which that judgment moment, it's a real moment. I mean, this parable concludes with Jesus talking about judgment. But you can feel in the heart of the five talent servant, excitement for the moment. Master, see, he can feel it. Can you feel the enthusiasm, the zest? Hey, you gave me five, but look, here's five more. That's a great, man, it kind of feels good to kind of end your life where you're coming to the end and you're like, and we don't know when Jesus will return or if you'll die, live a full life. We don't know if it's soon or if you got 40 more years left. But either way, it's ending in a conversation. So the dream is for you to come to the end and to have that heart like the servant with five talents or with two. Hey, look, you gave me two. Here's two more. Worst thing, the thing that we don't want, and this is what Jesus is saying in the parable, you don't want to come to the end and lost track of the king. Oh yeah, he was a long time in coming. And in that long time in coming, I, I lived in a culture where they told me my happiness was what life was about. In that culture, they told me that my money was about me and my time was about me and it was all for my own pleasure, which ultimately is saying you to king. And it's easy today to start to think, it's all for me. But there's a master. He's entrusted you. You got one life. And the dream is that you would end it and you'd show up, go in and go, hey, guess what? This marriage, these kids, this ministry, whatever it is, these dollars, this time, these things you gave me, here's how I used it for the kingdom, for the king. I'm all about the king. It all belongs to you. You're good. And I'm all about you. That is the servant that Jesus goes, ha ha. Enter into your king's happiness. That's the dream for us. I wanna invite you today just to bow your heads and ask God, God, what's one thing? Holy Spirit revealed to me one thing that you want me to apply in my life about being a faithful servant. Now will you just respond to him and say, yes, God, I'm all in. I'm your servant. You're my king. Everything I have belongs to you. Open my eyes. See like you see. 